Photographer, a musician, a maker. You're ready to make things happen. But chasing creative isn't always easy. Your time and energy go to your work, your family, and your life. Is it really possible to make space for the creative in your everyday? Here at the Chasing Creative Podcast, we believe you can. We're talking to everyday creatives who have insights and action steps you can take today to make your creative plans happen. I'm Ashley Brooks, a freelance writer and editor at Brooks Editorial and work-at-home mom who would love to devote more time to creative writing and journaling. And I'm Abigail Krebs, the writer and photographer behind Inkwells and Images. I'm living my creative life nights and weekends after I get home from my full-time job at an ad agency. And you're listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. Episode 9 of the Chasing Creative Podcast. Today we're chatting with Bethany Grow. Bethany's projects are always evolving and changing, but right now she develops ice cream recipes in the hopes of one day opening up her own ice cream business, sells foodie stationery on Etsy, runs the collaborative food and travel, web- travel website, The Collaborate, and dishes about her food and ice cream adventures on her personal blog at bethanygrow.com. In her free time, she road trips with her husband, Josh, gets lost in books, cooks new foods, and researches ice cream at nearby shops. So welcome to Chasing Creative, Bethany. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on because who wouldn't want to spend an hour talking about ice cream? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, one of my favorite pastimes. Yeah, I I really like the line about, you know, researching ice cream shops. Does that mean all of your ice cream receipts are tax deductible? (laughs) Oh, no, I should start doing that. That's a very good idea. (laughs) Oh, Yes, researching is one of the best parts. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about where you're at right now and how you got here? All right, well, I'm at a bit of an awkward place right now where I don't really know how to respond when people ask what I do. Um, I feel like I'm in this big transition where I'm going from one thing but haven't dropped the next thing, so I'm just doing it all at once. Um, So for the past few years, I've been designing professionally um, and had a great time of that until I realized that my true passion was food. So I enrolled in culinary school and graduated this past summer. Um, And since then, I've decided I want to open up an ice cream shop. So I develop recipes and study the craft of making ice cream and blog about those experiences. And on the side, I also do some freelance design and I have a little Etsy shop where I sell food themed stationery to earn money for this ice cream business. And yeah, a few years ago, I started up a little side project called the Collaborate where myself and a whole bunch of other bloggers, including Abigail, share our favorite eateries and city guides and recipes. But yeah, I think that sums all of it up. Yeah, that sounds awesome. You've got a lot of stuff going on, but all of it sounds like it's pretty wonderful. So what first led you to like want to pursue an ice cream shop? That's just awesome. (laughs) Well, um, that kind of started from culinary school. I actually enrolled in culinary school because I thought I wanted to be a food writer. Um, And so I got in there, but I realized I loved making food every day and being in the kitchen. 
Um, so since I graduated, I kind of knew I wanted to have my own business. Um, that's always kind of been my style and I love doing my own thing, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and for a while I thought I would do pie cause I loved making pies and that was really fun. But, um, it wasn't until I was making, um, an ice cream recipe that we developed in school and I was trying to get it right and like make the flavors awesome and the texture perfect um, and was really experimenting with it. And still, it didn't even click that, like, I loved making ice cream. I had fun with it, but it wasn't like, meh. I, I didn't think I could do that as my actual business um, until I made an ice cream for my blog and was like, wait, no, this is really fun. I really like making ice cream. Um, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me before. I grew up on ice cream. Um, <laughs> my dad is a huge ice cream fan and is very picky and kind of passed that on to his kids. And I don't know, we had ice cream cakes for our birthdays and ice cream was the go-to dessert. Oh, like The best birthday cake. Yes, yes. <laughs> so ice cream was like my thing. And I don't know why it never occurred to me to make ice cream, but it finally did. And now that's, that's what I want to do. Well, that is awesome. Do you remember like a single moment where you just said like, you know, yes, ice cream is it. This is the moment. Was it when you were writing about it on your blog or? Yeah, I think it was with that recipe um, and trying to make it perfect. I mean, I didn't want to post anything on my blog that I wasn't <laughs> sure would like work for everybody and really have a great flavor. Um, and so I was really trying to make that one perfect and had so much fun working on it and was like, wait, like. No, I could really do this. I I understand ice cream, and it's something that I would enjoy perfecting um, and working on. So, yeah, yeah just and that there one are dip. endless flavors forever and ever. Yes, so I can always <laughs> be busy trying something new. So now that you've got, um, you've had sort of all of these big projects going on in your life for the last few years. So you blogged specifically about marriage, and then you did some full web design services, and now you've got the ice cream business and the foodie stationery. So could you talk a little bit about how each of those major projects sort of merged and led into one another? Oh, yeah. Um, so I actually used to be super self-conscious about these constant changes, um, <laughs> and I tried to hide the fact that every few, year, few years I was changing and doing some new thing. Um, in fact, my mom only just found out I had a blog because I was kind of embarrassed that I'd started my fourth yeah. blog. So I just didn't really tell people. Um, but I guess I started uh, with just one simple blog that, you know, it was just updating my family with what's going on in life. Um, and then I just started posting some recipes that I was having fun making at home and just thought dumps, you know, that new blogger kind of stuff. Um and I think as it does for most bloggers, it evolved into something bigger because I realized I loved writing and getting to know other people in the blog world. Um, and people were actually responding and saying, you know, they were learning from my experience and such, experiences and such. Um, so I started to share more advice and experiences about my marriage. And then it just kind of became this marriage and relationships blog. Um, and at the same time, I started designing wedding stationery, which kind of went along with my blog. Um, but through blogging, I realized I really liked designing for my blog and the web in general. Um, and so I dropped that. I dropped um, designing wedding invites so I could work um, online doing 
web design um, and phased out of that blog so I could promote my business with a blog. Um, and I was consulting and designing for brands and blogging up a storm, but I started to get bored with it and wasn't having as much fun as I used to. And um, I started to hate blogging since I had made this strict schedule for myself and I wanted to write posts that would encourage people to hire me. And it just wasn't really, I don't know, like authentic anymore. Um, and I just wasn't having fun. And what I really wanted to do was eat food and talk about it. <laughs> So uh, I started up the Collaborate just as a little side project while I kept designing something to, you know, make me excited to wake up in the morning. Um, but I really fell in love with food writing. So that's when I decided I'd go to culinary school and, you know, from there decided that I don't just want to write about food, I want to make it. So yeah, that's kind of where I've been in the past five years. Wow, that is a really neat progression. I know I've been following you since your your design blog, so Love Grows Design, I think it was. Um, and I, I really, I remember you being one of like the first bloggers that I started reading posts about like how to blog and how to promote yourself and how to brand yourself and all of those kinds of things. It was really, really helpful to me as a newer blogger. And I just love too that every single one of your experiences, and we've talked to other creatives on this podcast like they wouldn't change any of it for the world because everything that they have done has led into the next thing and the skills they've learned have kind of like moved with them into the next phase of their life. So I love that you are designing foodie stationery, which I mean, definitely has some roots in that wedding stationery design that you did years and years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of funny getting back into that. Like I reopened my Etsy shop and it still had my wedding stationery in there. And I was like, oh, hey, <laughs> forgot about this. You knew that I'd be back doing this again. No, I think there's a really good lesson there too, though, to be like open to those new things instead of necessarily just trying to fit yourself into that one box that they say you're supposed to have as a business owner or a blogger and just being open to like those new creative experiences and not necessarily being embarrassed that people are going to think that you change your mind too often or that you don't stick with any one thing because sometimes it's okay to not stick with one thing and you need to move on to the next awesome thing like ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> and that's definitely something I've had to work to, to learn to love and appreciate is the constant change and being okay with that and not letting, you know, what other people think get to me. So now that you've got like all this different stuff going on kind of, and we've talked about all the transitions you've been through, do you have an average day right now? Like what does your schedule look like if you even have one? Um, it's, it's different every day. Um, I mean, I generally sit down in my office first thing and look at my inbox and then that kind of decides the rest of my day. So like if I get submissions for the Collaborate, mm -hmm. I work on the Collaborate and schedule those posts. Um, if I made sales with my Etsy shop, I fulfill those and make sure my shop looks good. Um, and if I have photos ready to go of, for my own blog, I'll write those up. Um, it's just kind of whatever is most important, like whatever deadline I have coming up is what I work on, if there is a deadline. And if not, I just kind of pick what I feel like needs to be focused on. Um, and then usually by the afternoon, I get antsy to leave my desk. So that's when I go make ice cream. 
Well, that sounds great. I wish I could just walk away from my desk at work and make ice cream. That's, it could be <laughs> dangerous, though, because I would want to just eat it all every day. Ice cream is my absolute favorite food. <laughs> so, um, so you said, you know, every kind of every day is a little bit different and kind of waking up in the morning and seeing, you know, what's on your plate really dictates the way that you move. So do you have any, you know, special tools or organizational systems or anything that keeps you moving forward regardless of what it is you're working on? Yeah, yeah. It's taken me a while to find the thing that really works for me. Like I used to buy planner after planner and would have like different planners for each section of my life. And it was crazy. Um, So I finally just got one of those like binder planners that you can add pages to. And I just started designing my own pages. um, And now I have pages for every area of my life for the collaborate, even for ice cream. I have like lists of ice cream I want to make and, you know, my friend's favorite ice cream so I can make them for them and stuff. (laughs) Um, And I've got my daily pages with uh, checklists that I can cross off, which is always motivating for me. Um, I also recently found a new app called Sloth. Um, It lets you input a to-do list And then you can set times for each task um, and then it will count down as you work, which I find super motivating. I'm really competitive, so I'm always racing the clock Um, and then I can cross it off before my time is up. And that's been working for me really well. Yeah, it's it's always a struggle trying trying to stay organized. So I'm glad I found this planner system where, you know, if I find that these pages don't work for me, I can get rid of them and try a new one and see how that works. Yeah, that sounds really great. I know you, Ashley, have tried, I think, several planners throughout life these last few years. I have, yeah. Yeah. I am too cheap to buy a planner. (laughs) (laughs) How sad does that sound? I'm too cheap to buy a planner, so I don't. And I really probably just ought to. Um, But what have you found that is either like make or break for your planners? Like Bethany said, like if the pages don't work for you, do you just abandon that planner in February and not use it again? Uh, I kind of buy the more expensive planners, like the 50, 60, $70 ones. So it's hard for me to abandon them mid-year. But if a planner isn't really visual, I can't can't do it. So um, I used to use the day designer um, which worked really well a couple years ago for me. But now um, I have to look at my tasks on more of a weekly basis than every day because my days can get thrown completely off if Hadley doesn't take oh, a nap yeah. or if something mm-hmm. comes up and I'm not able to work. And then it's like all the to-dos I had that day can't happen. So now I use um, Emily Lay's Simplified Planner, but the weekly edition because it lets me look at things more as like, okay, you need to have this done by Friday. If it doesn't happen on Tuesday, that's okay. Oh, that's um, cool. So that's what's working for me right now. But yeah, I've been through quite a few different systems, including bullet journaling, which it turns out I don't like that much. <laughs> oh, hey, I hear you. Good to be honest with your own creative process, I suppose. Like I said, I'm honest. I'm just cheap. Yes. So I've never bought a planner yet. I just, I can't, I can't ever quite like click that little buy button. And everyone listening is probably just like laughing at me because it's, it's $50. Like, what are you going to do? $50 but I just, I just can't do it. Um, and like this year, I know I really had my eyes on the get to work book, um, by Elise and I'm going to butcher her last name. Is it Cripe? Cripe? C-R-I-P-E. Um, but I really liked that one. And kind of like you said, Ashley, it's, it looks very visual and very 
like broken down mm-hmm. into lists and things. And I think I could handle that. So maybe next year, maybe I'll talk myself up in the next eight, nine months and, and buy one. Um, <laughs> Click we'll that buy see. button. We'll yep. see. Um, you can do it. Time, like, we support I you. Just, I'm finding <laughs> that Asana, which you introduced me to, Ashley, when we started doing the podcast, has been like my little mm-hmm. digital brain lately paired with Evernote that has gotten me through the day. So I like it. Yeah, it's always good to have a system for just finding whatever works for you, I think, and especially if you're working with other people and collaborating on different things, which you do a lot of, Bethany, um, especially like getting writers to contribute to the Collaborate or uh, contributing to series like Date Night in the Kitchen. Um, so do you have any tips for other creators who would like to collaborate with others but aren't sure who, how to get started or aren't sure how to handle all those extra organizational details without flooding your inbox with 700 emails? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely besides getting organized, I mean, in my planner, I have like a sheet for all the people that I've contacted, whether or not they're going to work with me or not, and where I'm at in the process with them so I can stay on top of things and not do the whole awkward like emailing somebody that I've already emailed or something like that. Um, But beyond that, I think the biggest thing that I've learned with collaborating with people, especially on the collaborate, is just to put myself out there, um, even if I feel super awkward about it. I'm really introverted and not great at reaching out to people. So I've had to train myself to just say, like, who cares that they say no or don't respond or don't like me or think I'm awkward? I'm going to ask anyways. So every month I probably send out like 20 emails saying like, hey, do you want to do this with me? Um, Some of which might go to people that have like loads more followers than me or seem super busy or just might not be interested in the idea. Um, And I'll usually get like maybe half of that back. So 10 emails back, half of which will say no for one reason or another. And the other half is excited and can't wait to get involved. Um... But if I got hung up on those 10 that didn't even respond or those five that just said no, I wouldn't get anything done. And I'd be like really discouraged and constantly think my ideas are stupid. Um, So I focus on those people that say yes and are excited about it. And I try to remember that every time I email people, like some people are really excited about this. Um, And I try and remember that if I didn't put myself out there, none of this would have happened at all. Um, And a lot of amazing things have come out of just you know, being brave and getting out there. Um, So yeah, I just say to get over yourself and your fears and reach out. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, that's definitely hard as an introvert. I know I think most of us online entrepreneurs, I would wager are also introverted people. Um, And like you said, it's kind of scary to open yourself up and be vulnerable and be like, hey, I want help with this and have someone be like, no, I think that's stupid, which is what it always sounds like to you when you get that. No, I don't have time for this email. (laughs) You really just think that they're saying like, no, this is stupid. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, And that's something that Abby and I have had to get over, too, as we're like, we're starting this podcast and we had to email all these people to get guests before we even had any episodes up for people to look at. And we were like, no one is going to want to do this. They're going to think we're insane. (laughs) Um, So that was really kind of hard to get over and just send those first couple emails. And it ended up being totally fine. Everyone's been really excited and everyone's been like super nice. And nobody out there is waiting to just like destroy your dreams in one email. (laughs) Right. 
And I'm sure, I'm sure. At least not yet. I mean. (laughs) And I'm sure, I mean, at least in my case, there are some people that are like, really? I can't believe she's emailing me about this. What a dumb idea. But nobody's ever going to say that. Exactly. I can't imagine ever getting an email that said that. They're just going to say, no, I don't have time or whatever. And it's all good. Well, and if they do think that, do you really want to work with them in the first place? So maybe it's a good like filter. If they're not excited, like you didn't want to partner with them anyway. Right. Exactly. So I know we all kind of have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with putting ourselves out there and, you know, sending that big ask kind of email. But what about social media? So I know you, Bethany, have confessed before that you have a love-hate relationship with social media. And I think you even deleted your Facebook account at some point. Are you, are you still off of Facebook? <laughs> I did. Yes. I am still off. I think it's been oh, a year wow. and a half now. Wow, good for you. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, As much as I love social media, I do it all day long. Um, I think that that just sounds really freeing to me. So so going along with your confession of not always liking social media, you brought me on as the social media manager for the Collaborate. Yes, Exactly. Even then, um, I don't know if I'm a lifesaver. Even then, you still you still have to have your own social presence. I mean, for your ice cream shop someday, for your current blog, you know, at bethanygrow.com. So how do you decide what programs to spend your time and energy on? Like, what social medias do you choose and why do you choose them? Yeah, I mean, right now, I'm mostly just active on Instagram. Um, I think during, you know, my girl boss designer stage... I really got overwhelmed with everything. Um, I was trying to follow like every piece of advice that's out there about how to win at social media on every platform. Um, But the introverted part of me was like, whoa, what are you doing? Who are all these people you're following? And why are you being so gross and promoting (laughs) yourself all the time? It just never felt right. And I was exhausted by it all. Um, And another part of it was that it brought a lot of negativity in my life. I don't know if it's just, you know, the people that I follow or whatever, but on my, like, Facebook, I was seeing, you know, friends and family arguing over politics and being just mean to each other, um, and Instagram was yeah, always it's a it's not just you, of, it's not. Yeah, good, <laughs> <laughs> not just my friends, <laughs> but, uh, and Instagram was always a contest for who could have the prettiest and most perfect life, and Twitter just turned into this list of complaints from everyone I followed, and it, it was me too. <laughs> I started noticing when I was, like, frustrated with a company or stuck in traffic or something, I would start crafting these, like, clever little complaints in my head of what I could post on Twitter. <laughs> it was so gross. Um, and I just, I, I realized this after a while, like how much negativity it was bringing in my life, both with the like exhaustion and, you know, what I was seeing online. Um, and I didn't have the energy to just clean house and change all of those platforms at once and to be a more like positive and relaxing place. Um, so I got off Facebook, the one that I felt I just truly did not need anymore. Um, And I took, later on, I took a break from Twitter, um, and all that was left was Instagram. So I just started to be more careful about what I was sharing and whether or not it was for me or to gain followers or to show off my great life or whatever. Um, And I think I found a good balance where I can comfortably promote the things that I'm doing and the things that I really care about 
for those that actually care and want to know what I'm up to, um, as well as sharing my life moments. So it's, you know, not just this big promotional platform for me. Um, and I'm being more mindful about who I follow and how I react to what people post. Um, and it's turned into, you know, a positive place for me. So now that I've ha- handled that, I'm slowly trying to get back into Twitter and trying to do the same thing. But it, it's a slow process. No. I kind of got used to only having one platform. So, <laughs> but we'll see if I ever mm-hmm. get back on Facebook. I, I'm not sure about that. I don't, I don't hear it that it's getting any better. So it isn't. Yeah. It is not. It's probably getting worse since this is an election, yeah. as a matter of fact. <laughs> yes, I can only imagine. I know what I've just been finding is that so much of the content, like I used to love Facebook because um, when I you know, got married and moved to a different state. It was kind of like the way you could still see what all of your friends were yeah. up to and what your family was doing, even though you lived a couple of states away. And just being able to see like, oh, look, they got married or, oh, look, they got a puppy or whatever yeah. it was. It was a lot of fun. And now I feel like it's everyone just sharing a bunch of links to things that don't matter, if that's not mean yes. of me to say. So... <laughs> Yeah, just lots of BuzzFeed articles. <laughs> exactly. Well, and the BuzzFeed articles are honestly like the best of the bunch sometimes. Yeah, they're the they're like the things I click on. Exactly. <laughs> to be honest. And as much as like I hate BuzzFeed's website, it's so cluttered. There's just like way too much going on for me. It it still like is maybe one of the more I guess classy websites compared to some of the others that all of these links click to. Oh gosh, And I just, I can't, I've just learned that I cannot stand like the clickbait headlines. Like this girl stood in front of a crowd. You'll never guess what happened next. And it's just, (laughs) Oh yeah. She sang a song like, woo. I I don't know. I just, I get really frustrated with that. I find. So maybe it's good that you're not on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed that like, my good friends and family weren't even posting anything anymore. They were just like <laughs> stalking other people. So I'm like, what am I doing? Exactly. <laughs> yes, most yeah. definitely. So I love that you have kind of this balance that you've figured out and you're really just making it work for you because what what is running your own business and being an entrepreneur all about if you hate what you're doing? I mean, that's the whole reason you leave the nine to five is to kind of enjoy your day to day a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Did you find when you were leaving um, all those social networks, you know, taking your break from Facebook and your break from Twitter, did you run into any sort of fear that you were maybe going to, um, I don't know, like miss out on something, that fear of missing out or the fear that you wouldn't be promoting your website enough and so your business would fail or something ridiculous like that? I think that we all sort of fear that if we get off social media, the world's going to collapse around us. (laughs) I did, um, not so much with my business, but with Facebook, I did have some worry that I would miss a lot of stuff. And I have. Um, I know, like, I just found out that my cousin had a baby. I had no idea. Just <laughs> things like that, that just nobody um, announces things outside of Facebook anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like, there have been some groups and things that only run on Facebook, so I can't be a part of them. Mm-hmm. Um and that's been kind of sad, but I've learned, you know, it's it's just not worth it. I can get over it. It's fine. But as far as my business goes, I was never that good on Facebook um, promoting it. So I didn't lose out much there. Um, but with Twitter, I was a little worried because um, 
that's where most of the people that followed me because of my work were. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't just friends and family that, you know, like me Mm -hmm. for me. It was people that wanted to know what I was up to. Um, Yeah, that's where I followed you for sure was Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. So I was I was worried that I was going to lose out on, you know, getting to know people like you um, that I would only really be able to talk to on Twitter. Um, And I'm, I'm glad to be to be back and be able to try that out again. But I think. I wasn't missing as much. I've actually learned to, you know, communicate in other ways. Um, (laughs) I've started to get really good at writing letters, which is so old school, and I love it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And just emailing people to say, hey, I just wanted to see what you're up to, um, which has been great for me and a much more genuine way to, to get in touch with people, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's one thing to be able to just like say hey to someone real quick, but you can't get into a meaningful conversation on Twitter. Like, let's be honest. Right. 140 <laughs> characters doesn't give me much. Yeah. <laughs> no, almost all of the best conversations I have start on Twitter and end up with one of us like asking for the other's email address. And then we take it, you know, to a different part of the Internet and long time converse there. It's like online dating, except for friendships. <laughs> <laughs> they should have that. I, I'm, I mean, I think they should have an online dating for friendships. <laughs> I yeah. agree. You know, Twitter is like online dating for creatives. <laughs> yeah. Speed dating for creatives. There you are. Um, yeah. Yes. There you go. <laughs> 140 characters. Impress me. <laughs> there you go. That's basically what it is, it, though. Sadly, yeah. Did you find that being off of social media and sort of having that break and that space in your life has freed up more room for creativity and creative ideas without that thought of like, oh, what are people going to think? Or, oh, I need to be posting this at this time. Yeah. um, You know, I'm not necessarily sure that it, it has made me more creative or given me more time to be creative. But as far as creativity goes, I, I've noticed that I, I'm doing a lot more, um, I don't know, I guess genuine creative things things that are just coming from me and my own ideas in my head um rather than you know seeing something online and being like oh that's a good idea I could do something similar to that Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. um I think yeah just getting rid of all the noise of what everybody else is doing has helped um me to just focus on what I really want to do and what things really speak to me um and that's been awesome That is really nice. I know sometimes it's really easy, especially in like the food realm, to kind of do a little bit of what everyone else is doing and what seems to be working for them. I mean, there's a reason that things like kale become such a big deal in the social media world. (laughs) It's because someone thought it was cool and did a post on it, and someone else thought it was cool and did a post on it, and we have this spiral avalanche of kale which i'm still not sold on by the way (laughs) so have you guys have you guys ever noticed food trends like that like all of a sudden like the mini cupcakes became the thing and now they're really not anymore yeah i think pinterest contributes to that a lot too because i don't know people see those like trends cropping up on pinterest and then if you have a food blog you're like oh i want to get popular on pinterest so you start making that same sort of thing and it's a vicious, vicious cycle of kale, which is unfortunate because there's like better things. I know. I mean, I know kale's good for you, but like, I'd rather be stuck in a vicious cycle of ice cream or like something yeah, with carbs. Uh, carbs, most definitely. I would even take like carrots. Like, you can glaze carrots. You can't glaze kale. It's just exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Any opinions on Kalegate 2016, Bethany? Yeah, I mean, I was not a kale lover. Josh hates kale, 
and through marriage I've learned that you know if if Josh doesn't like something I'm not allowed to like it because it will not be allowed in the house (laughs) so I never jumped on that bandwagon um so you want to turn ice cream into your full-time business Bethany how scary is it to dive into something that you've never done before especially something with such an investment like opening an ice cream shop Yes, the financial stuff is definitely the scariest part with this. I mean, I'm used to just being able to, you know, create something online, pay for hosting in a domain and call it good. Um, But, you know, having to buy an actual like space or a food truck, whichever I decide and an ice cream maker and, you know, everything. It's so expensive. It's scary. Um, And I'm just now like trying to understand, you know, grants and small business loans and things like that. Something I never had to worry about when it was just a website. But yeah, so that's pretty scary. But I mean, otherwise, I'm I'm really excited. I love change um, and trying new things. And so this is just another one of those things that I, you know, I'm just enjoying learning about um, and the process of starting something new and getting good at a new skill and all that jazz. It's really fun for me. I don't know. You kind of get that like new project adrenaline rush too. Like you just get really, really excited about starting something new and you can go like days without sleeping a lot. I find when that happens. Yes. Yes. And I will randomly, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and get an idea. And then, you know, Josh finds me out of bed at my desk, writing everything down. And, (laughs) and that's, that's really fun. I love that. Um, But yeah, I think I've always just kind of embraced change, which clearly has been kind of dangerous as I have changed my career so often. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to do these days when you've got things like, um, you know, so many books on every single subject and things like Skillshare um, and blogs that share free information. It's become a lot easier to just, you know, try something new and learn a new skill and pursue something else. Absolutely. I know we didn't know how to start a podcast, but we knew how to Google how to start a podcast. So (laughs) it's kind of the same thing. Google is all you really need in life. I agree with Ashley, most definitely. Exactly. Um, So I know you said you you love change and you love going in new directions. Um, How do you kind of handle that upheaval? (laughs) I know in the past when I've made like big moves, like physically, like moved my stuff from one living space to another, I tend to get set back like for several weeks, if not months even, just like not having my space and having just that, that transition really weighs really heavy on you. Um, how do you, how do you kind of avoid that or how do you deal with that? Or do you just cut yourself a lot of grace and let life just be for a while? Yeah, I tend to go with, with the last option, option D. Um, Good but, answer. Uh, you know, I think because, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a husband that makes enough money for us to get by. I mean, we're definitely not, you know, going on any cross-country trips or anything anytime soon, but we have money to pay rent and everything. So um, I'm not, I've learned to just kind of let go and be okay if things aren't working out the way I wanted because it's not life and death, you know, the rent will get paid and we'll be fine. We'll have food on the table. That's, that's what matters. Um And, you know, to just go with the flow and figure out what works and what doesn't um, and get organized, um, you know, with my handy dandy planner and uh, just work it out from there. But I mean, again, I I just love change that 
so much of it just excites me and motivates me to just get going and, and figure out this new routine I'm going to have. Um, so that's been great. But I, I think the biggest part of, of change that's been hard for me is going back to um, being able to tell people about it, um, especially my family. I come from a very traditional family that embraces the whole, you know, find your sensible career and stay with it for the rest of your life. Or like in my mom's case, get married, have kids and raise those kids for the rest of your life. So I, I inherently feel like that's like my life path is something maybe not necessarily to be ashamed of, maybe not that extreme, but mm-hmm. not something to be proud of for sure. Um, or not even something that you can explain to your family and have them kind of connect with or understand or get behind you. Exactly. Yeah. I, if I tell my parents about something, I have to be really, really serious about it. Like, I think I only just told my mom about this ice cream dream, like maybe a month ago. Cause I just knew that she was going to, you know, ask for all the details. Like Bethany, are you really serious about this? Are you really going to be able to make this happen? (laughs) Sometimes it's good to have those balancing people in your life though, to make sure like I'm a an idea person and I'm the kind who doesn't always follow through on my ideas because I don't have time for all of them and I have shiny object syndrome so (laughs) it would probably be good for me to have people who are like are you sure you can do that how are you gonna do that like tell me (laughs) yes I would like to see your six-month business plan Ashley please (laughs) you know I would like it formatted and bound (laughs) I've never had one of those ever oh me neither (laughs) no me neither. I have like random scribblings in pieces of paper. That's my business plan right now, which uh, yeah, is a little bit go. maybe shame inducing. <laughs> yeah, basically. I have like five different yeah. notebooks from different times of my life. And I'm always like, which notebook was I using when I had oh, this thought? Yes, I'm the same way with that. <laughs> was it the purple one with the sparkles or the lime green with the stripes? <laughs> yeah. No, I suppose if you're a visual person, though, that that probably works. You can remember, like, what color notebook you were carrying around with you. That's true. Yeah, it does work a little bit. I mean, Mm -hmm. unless I've lost the notebook entirely, it's pretty (laughs) foolproof. (laughs) Well, then, (laughs) that's no good at all. Uh, I, I find your ability to, like, embrace change and transition just really inspiring, Bethany. I am not always very good with it. My husband and I have been in a state of limbo for many years, we're talking like five or six at this point, of trying to sell a house and trying to build a new house. And we are currently in an apartment and that's, it's great. It's a great option for us right now. Um, But it wasn't always like the light at the end of the tunnel. The light at the end of the tunnel now is like six, eight months, we'll finally be in a house again. And that's great. (laughs) But I find that when I'm going through like really stressful transitions, I always fall back on my favorite like comfort food, quote unquote, which are the books that I love. And I think this is probably a good place to transition into our little mini book club that we do at the end of every episode. So what books have you been reading lately? Um, well, I got uh, Ruth Reichel's newest book, um, My Kitchen Year, for Christmas. And I was feeling kind of guilty because I have a few of her other books on my shelf and hadn't read them yet. So... I was started reading that one as well as, um, oh shoot, is it <laughs> Comfort Me with Apples is her other memoir that I was reading, like kind of at the same time, um, which are all just, you know, she talks about food so beautifully and she is just such an amazing writer that 
you know, I think she's she's what got me into wanting to be a food writer. But I don't know if I could ever, ever be as good as Ruth Reichel. Yeah, that would be tough. I know we talked about books about food a few episodes ago, didn't we, Ashley? Yeah, I think, um, was it Kenzie who was reading a cookbook? I think it was. During our mini yeah, book club. Yeah, she was club, like literally yeah, reading had, a cookbook. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love doing that. <laughs> so Kenzie thought she was kind of silly for doing it. So maybe not so much if Bethany also enjoys it. Oh, no. I, I, I live for those like blurbs before the recipe and the introductions and all that jazz. I live for that. I love it. Yeah, it is always kind of cool to see how a ri- how a writer came up with that recipe or if it was like passed down through their family or if they yeah. like found a recipe shoved in a library book and now it's theirs. <laughs> yeah. And I love so in Ruth Rachel's newest book, um it's very much it's it's like half cookbook, half book because there are recipes just all over the place intertwined with the okay. story. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because she'll, you know, talk about how um you know, she was having a really rough day and her friends came over to cheer her up and together they made pasta or whatever. And then she'll explain the pasta recipe. Um, and, you know, I, I love that because that's kind of how I live. Like food is intertwined into my life. So, you know, I think that that is just the book form of it. Yeah, I really like that idea. I have yet to read one of these cookbook slash memoirs that you guys are all talking about. But my list keeps getting longer and longer. And I actually just shared my list of books. And I never do this. My list of books with a friend who wants to write about food um, without having read all of the books on the list. So I'm like, I'm recommending this to you because someone else told me it was good, but I've not read it yet. And I I never (laughs) do that. So apparently food books are the one thing I can do that with. We'll see. Or maybe I just ruined a friendship. Also possible. Yeah, that is always kind of (laughs) scary. It is always scary to send someone to a book you haven't read yet, though, because sometimes, like, I can't tell you how many times the rest of the world loves a book, and I'm like, two stars. <laughs> oh, yes. So is there a yes. specific book in I'm memory? Like the Scrooge of the Aww. book world. Is there a specific book in memory that you have given, like, two stars to, and the rest of the world's just going, like, gaga over it? Gosh, um, I have a blog post <laughs> titled Books I Hate That Everyone Else Loves. <laughs> There's actually a list out there. We'll link to that in the show notes um, for one everybody. Of them. <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> uh, I was going to say one of them that is like a more uh, more recently published book, I guess, is the Literary and Potato, or the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel <gasps> you don't Pie like Society. You book? <laughs> I don't like books that are too happy. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I am. I'm it. like, I'm like Scrooge, you are. the Grinch, or someone over here. World. But oh, so everyone got a happy ending, and you didn't like it. Well, it was it was really predictable, and I just felt like there weren't any stakes, and there wasn't a ton of conflict, and I was just sort of like, why is this a book? Like, what's 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 the point? I don't get it. So maybe I'm like, I like books where people. Um, not necessarily where people die, but where people... <laughs> Some drama. <laughs> no, I like books where people at the end, there's like, like if the, all the loose ends aren't totally tied up, that's okay. Like, I like books like that that still okay. leave a little bit left. Yeah. <laughs> My <sense>. depressing book confessions. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, I suppose. Um, and I know you, Bethany, do you still listen to a lot of audiobooks? I do. Yeah. Um, it's something I can do while I make ice cream or design. So okay. yeah, I've got, um, 
uh, Overdrive with you know yes. that hooks up to yes. libraries. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I'm very active on there, um, and there are some times where. You know, the books that I really want to listen to aren't available yet. So I just pick some random audiobook just to have something. So mm-hmm. I've read a number of books that I don't care for just because they were there. <laughs> I've tried to let myself off the hook to stop doing that. And in the last year or two, I've actually like stopped mm-hmm. reading a handful of books like partway through. I'm like, nope, I'm giving myself permission to not read this. So I think it's, yes. a, it's a very freeing thing. Yes. And I, I, I recently got Goodreads or as in like last year I got Goodreads um and I I realized it was making me feel obligated to finish the book just so I can put it in you know my my reads Mm -hmm. bookshelf and I it was getting to the point where I was like finishing all these books and giving them two stars and I hated them but I got them on my read shelf so whoop-de-doo but I was wasting so much time on these books I knew I hated when I could have been reading much better ones. You know what I do to fix that? Because I had that same problem on Goodreads. And what I do now is I still mark them as read. And then I just shelve them on a shelf called didn't finish. Oh, that's smart. I need to do that. <laughs> so I can like remember that I didn't finish it, which obviously means I didn't care for it. But I still get to count it as like, well, I there tried. You go. <laughs> Yeah. That's a really great tactic. Um, may need to implement that one. So. And Abigail, you had that, um, your book challenge that you started last year with four different books a month? Yes. So my failed book project. I was actually trying to limit how much <laughs> I read because <laughs> I read too much when I should be doing things like writing or the dishes. <laughs> so... Um, I set out to only read one book per week, which sounds ridiculous, I know, and I was like setting extremely strict rubric for myself, like I had to read one nonfiction and one fiction and one classic and one book that was good for me. So in addition to reading nonfiction, I was reading a book that was quote unquote good for me every month. And I found that it got just a little too strict when I was also trying to be, you know, creative Mm -hmm. and come up with ideas and, you know, work a full-time job and all of these things. And sometimes you just need to come home and read like some fluffy fiction. And so I think I made it two, two and a half months into 2015 and said like, nope, this is not working. And I'm going to recognize that and I'm going to let myself off the hook. And that was really good. Yeah. So I, I tried to follow your example and at first did the same thing where I set like strict categories of books yeah, and then that got too difficult. So I cut it down to just read four books a month. And then when life got busy, I wasn't reading four books a month. And so I was like, all right, just finish, you know, however many by the end of the year and call it good. <laughs> and then at the end of the year, it was getting close. And I did, I listened to all of the Harry Potter books, which I hadn't done yet before. So that, that was a, an accomplishment, though yeah. rather easy, <laughs> and was just throwing in, like, trying to read as much as possible, and there were nights when, you know, we wouldn't go out, because I was like, Josh, I need to finish my book list, like, <laughs> oh. oh, goodness, I so love thank you that. for inspiring me, Abigail. Well, no problem, I will always try to convince people to read, no matter what, <laughs> so that's maybe my life goal, I don't know yet. We're already introverts and we're telling people not to go out so they can finish their books. Like, really? Do yes. we need to promote oh, this? Don't, don't go to dinner with your friends. Read a book with imaginary friends instead. <laughs> yes. So the Chasing Creative Podcast will be known as the people who don't want you to have friends from here on out. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's our life goal. <laughs> 
Well, while we kind of wrap up here, Bethany, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you online at, you know, your select social media selections? <laughs> um, so I am on Instagram at Bethaneat, uh, B-E-T-H-A-N-E-A-T. Um, and my blog is bethanygrow.com. And that's where I'm most active, but you can also, you know, search for me on Pinterest and, and Twitter and find me there. Yeah, and we'll include links to everything, including your Etsy shop, on the show notes so that people can find you and follow you and, you know, become aware when your ice cream shop opens Yay. so that we can all go visit you and eat ice cream. Oh, please do. <laughs> we will. Yes. So, yeah, make sure to check out Bethany's website for all of her great ice cream flavors. There's one that is that has, like, sweet potatoes in it. So if that doesn't pique your interest, I don't know what will. Plus, there's a vegetable in it, so it's obviously yeah, good yeah, for you. So healthy. <laughs> <laughs> it counts. It counts as a vegetable. That's great. Uh, well, Bethany, we have loved talking to you and loved discussing ice cream for almost an hour now. So thank you so much for joining this e- this evening and have a lovely rest of your night. Thank you so much and thank you for having me. listening to the Chasing Creative podcast. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to stop by chasingcreative.com to check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes, and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you leave us a review on iTunes. You can also join in the creative conversation by tweeting to us at Abigail E. Krebs or at Brooks Editorial or by using the hashtag ChasingCreative on Twitter and Instagram. If there's a guest you'd love to hear from on the podcast, or if you have any feedback for us, drop us a line at ChasingCreativePodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go chase your creative. Is Bethany here? I don't know. <laughs> I think we lost Bethany. <laughs> We've just been talking to ourselves about kale. <laughs> <laughs> I think this might be our first blooper. Oh my goodness. Let me see if I can add her back in. <laughs> <laughs>